bow our heads this evening again in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again this evening, making it possible that we can assemble here together in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're glad forever promised that you made us, and we're conscious that you're here among us this evening. And, and Father, we've just come to talk about you and to talk about your servant and prophet that you sent among us. And we pray that you'd help us today to say what you want us to say, and if there be anything that we are not supposed to say, well, Lord, we pray that you just help us to understand. We trust that these little things that, that maybe wouldn't mean nothing to the world, but to your children, they're precious. And maybe we could share a little things and might help somebody along the journey. I pray that you just take the service and pray that you just give glory to yourself and We'll thank you, and we'll praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. It's good to see everybody tonight. Looks like, uh, you know, one thing about it, if we're all believers here tonight, we ain't got no room for the devil ever. But we got a full house. And we just want to thank you for coming, and, and we just trust that uh, some of the things that we'll say tonight that will be a blessing to you. And, um, you know, I've almost um, got to the place that I I really don't even like to give a testimony no more in account of, you know, the things that happens and things get back to you. And people say, yeah, that he was with Brother Branham and he thinks he's a little better than somebody else. And, you know, there ain't no truth in that. But anyhow, these things happen. And uh, for your benefit tonight, you just pray with us that God would come and let us um, uh, say some things that we've got to sit down here, and and um, if it's something else he wants us to say, well, we want to do what the Lord wants us to do. Um, you know, I many things that uh, we could say tonight, and I know that, um, you know, there's just no way to say everything in one night. And you don't have to be a Brother Random 10 or 15 years to do that. But anyhow, we, we want to share some things, and uh, I'd just like to say that uh, I think more of Brother Branham tonight than I ever did in my life. Amen. Each day goes by. I love him a little more. I love the message that he brought. It was um, today I believe that I can understand uh, a little bit more about what he was trying to tell us all along. And, the more that you can understand by a revelation of God, the greater that it'll be. I know I've uh, I cherish every moment that I've been with him, and I'd like to say this that it don't make you one bit better in any way. Um, it might actually cause you have to answer for more things than a lot of us would, and. Um, you know, the advantage that you have, maybe in some situations you might know how Brother Man handle things, and that helps a lot. But still, you know, where we preachers or laity, we're all one. Brother Bram told us that a preacher is no better than a drunk save ten minutes ago off the street, and, and that's the way we want to keep it. We don't want to think that one of us is bigger than the other, and Brother Bram wouldn't want us to do that. Wasn't, that was not in our example. And i like to say this, because maybe... And I don't know who I think this is being taped, and I don't know where it'll go. Probably get back in the hands of Brother Bram's family. And I know it's very hard on them to someone to get up and tell the personal things 
that happened to their dad or their grandfather or whatever. But I, I promise you tonight that uh, I won't say nothing bad about him. All that I ever saw was God. <laughs> and I saw so much of God, I, I couldn't see nothing else. And I would like to say also that, that I want to brag on him just as much as I can. I want to lift him up just as high as I can without making him the Lord Jesus Christ in flesh. And I like to say that I do believe that God walked among us in human flesh, but I don't believe he was God. Okay? So we got somewhere to start. So I'll try not to preach. God help me. I, I, it's not easy. And I, I'll try not to. So you just bear with me for a little while. And I, I know that maybe some of you, you know, that some of you uh, uh, around maybe don't really ever even know my name. Charlie was not the name that my mother and father gave me. My name is actually Charles Russell Cox. Brother Branham was the one that put the Charlie on there. And that's what I go by from then on. So I don't know why, but it's all right if you call me Charlie Russell or whatever. Just call me. So tonight I want to read a scripture, and I know it's a little crowded, but if we could stand for uh, just a, a scripture reading, and we'll get right into the little testimony. I want to read a, a portion of scripture in Acts, the fourth chapter, and maybe we'll start with the 16th verse. Acts 4.16, <clears throat> saying, What shall we do? to these men, for that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them, is manifested to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no farther among the people, let us strictly threaten them that they speak henceforth no more in his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen Amen. and heard. Amen. Heavenly Father, Bless the reading of the word this evening, and I pray that you'd help us and just come and anoint us, anoint the people, and get glory to yourself in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Now, I'd like to start out tonight, if we could, uh, talking about the time that Brother Branham, the first time I had met Brother Branham, and I met Brother Branham or heard about Brother Branham in the late 40s. Um, I really never got to, to, to see him until, uh, I believe it was 1955. Uh, but Brother Bram spent several weeks a year down at the house, and we would squirrel hunt in the late fall, and then in the later winter we'd rabbit hunt, and then up in the summer we'd go fishing. So really he was there quite a bit different times of the year. 
And Brother Branham, you know, he, he certainly seemed to enjoy himself while that he was there. Um, I know as well as you know that, you know, Brother Branham, real reason that he come, it wasn't to, uh, to hunt and fish, uh, yet he enjoyed it very much. But the situation that Brother Branham was in and who he was and his calling, he had to have some place to rest. And as you well as you know, Brother Branham could not get no rest around the house. He had to leave because almost constantly there was somebody there wanting to be prayed for or wanted something to a question to be answered or whatever. And, you know, I, I certainly don't blame the people because, you know, I would have too. But anyhow, God had, I believe that he had prepared him a place that, uh, that he could rest. And... Um, all the time that Brother Bam came down there, and he started coming down there in 1956 uh, um, to my house, um, he many times would get up in the pulpit and tell the people uh, where he was going. And he was going down in Kentucky, and everybody knowed about where he was going. But, you know, the strange thing was it was, they never one person ever followed him down there unless he brought them. Now, will we realize it or not, that is a miracle within itself. Brother Adam came down in 1955 at the Acton Campground. It was a little place outside of Camelsville, Kentucky. Um, it was two or three miles of my house. And... Uh, he came there and he preached three services there um, in August of sixty, uh, excuse me, of fifty-five. And he, in these three services, it was contending for the faith, led by the Spirit in pride. That was the three services that he preached there in, in which is near Camelsville. And the wife and I, uh, we went to them meetings, and neither one of us was Christians at that time. And and uh, many of you was there to the meetings, I'm sure. And um, it was an old campground. I don't know. It would probably seat, oh, maybe six, seven hundred. I don't know. It was an old barn-like building, and it was sawdust floor, and it had six doors around it. And um, and Brother Branham came and preached those services, and it was packed out every night. And then even out the side of the doors, there was probably fifty to hundred people standing there at the doors trying to look in. And I would say it was probably one of the biggest meetings, if not the biggest meeting, that they ever had as far as coming to hear the word of the Lord. Now, they might have had a better gathering, but uh, people come for that purpose that they might see God. And certainly he had, we had some great services there. And in the following September, uh, Nellie, uh, she went to Brother Brown's service in Jeffersonville, and she got over there, and I forgot what he he worded it, but um, I believe he preached over there Jesus with dirty feet, and it was almost the same thing that he preached at Acton, and at Acton he almost got her, and there she couldn't take it. So she surrendered her heart to the Lord, and I, I, I was raised in a, in, a, in a family. My mother taught me to church, and I, I never fought against living right. And I remember she come and sat down on my lap that night, and she said, Honey, she said, um, guess what? And I said, uh, I, I, what? I don't know. She said, I got saved tonight. And I said, God. I'm glad. God. But I said, I'll tell you one thing. You live it. 
Don't you be no hypocrite. I was still a sinner, but I, I know. <laughs> I didn't like hypocrites, and I don't today. <laughs> but anyhow, then in the following April, I got saved, and I, I was riding down the road, and, and you know, God been dealing with me. And you know how you do when God just about ready to catch you. You meaner than you ever was in your life. And I was riding down the road, and, and I wasn't looking for God. Uh, you know, the, there was such a presence come in that car that uh, I just couldn't handle it no more. And I was right inside uh, uh, where I was going to work. And I, 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 I said, God, if you'll just help me and forgive me, I said, I'll go to church Sunday and I'll go to the altar. That was all I know. Well, Sunday morning I went to the altar, just like I promised him when the altar was given. I went to the altar. And um, I give my heart to the Lord, even though it was a woman preacher. But really, when it happened, it was back there in that automobile driving that way. And, you know, I, I, I've tried to, you know, to, to, to serve him. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've tried. Uh, it, one thing about it, it's never turned me loose. He's still holding, thank God. In this meantime, um, we had uh, two small children, um, my wife and I, and they was real young. We was young when we got married. I was 18. She was 15. We had the two children, and uh, we Gary and Larry, there was their name. They're still in church serving the Lord. Um, and Nellie, had, she had female trouble real bad. And the doctors told us, he said, well, there's nothing we can do but have surgery. Uh, there's no way because uh, part of her female parts had dropped. They said, we've got to take it out. Well, she was only like 18 years old. And, you know, we, you know, when you're kids like that, you don't know what to do anyhow. But anyhow... Uh, Banks had brought Brother Branham down to our house there in 1956 after the meetings there in Acton. And um, he came down and went hunting, and he invited us to come up to the services on the weekend. And uh, we went up there, and Nellie went through the prayer line, and um, Brother Branham just laid hands on her. Uh, he never saw any vision. If he did, he didn't say anything about it. And he just laid hands on her in the fast prayer line, and, and she went on through. We live about 100 miles, uh, close to 100 miles from the church, the tabernacle. And um, I remember coming home, uh, back to our house, I, I asked my wife, I said, Honey, do you believe that the Lord healed you today? And she said, Yes, with all my heart. I said, well, she had to wear a brace to hold her womb up is what it really was. And I said, well, honey, I said, you can take that brace out and throw it away because you ain't going to never need it no more. Thought about that a lot of times. Just plain, simple faith, if we could just reach out and touch him that way. She went back for examination. It was some, I believe, about 15 years before she went back for a checkup and 
And when she did, the doctor examined her, and he told her that her female parts was the most perfect of anybody that he'd ever examined her age. And in the next week or so, while he was back down, and we was over at the old home place. And I lived way back in the farm in a real country place. And uh, they had come over there, and he'd come down to hunt again. And, and um, my wife had fixed dinner for, for him. Uh, I believe it's it just him and Banks come, and I don't remember seeing somebody else or not. I think it was just them two. And um, he was sitting at the table, and he, he was eating dinner, and he said, um, Sister Nelly, would you get me a glass of water? And uh, so she got up and went to get him a glass of water, and she had to go out in a porch like it was just uh, one of the old country porches, and we didn't have any running water. And she had an old pitcher pump and where we got her water, and she got him a drink of water and came back in and gave him the water. And about that time, uh, my brother-in-law, Banks Woods, which married my sister, um, he said, um, I've, got a, I've got a tack in my shoe. It said, stick in my foot. And I said, well, let me have it. I said, I'll go get it out. So I, I picked up his shoe, and I, and I started out. We had a little blacksmith shop out to the back, and, and I, I went out there to get the tack out of his shoe. And when it did, Brother Brandon followed us, me out there. And he went out there, and we were standing there in front of the old shop, and he said, Brother Charlie, he said, uh, a while ago, he said, uh, when Sister Nellie went to get me that glass of water, he said, um, I saw a vision. And he said, there's something about her, she was wearing some kind of a brace. And I said, yes, sir. I knew nobody knew that but me and her and the doctor. But said she's wearing some kind of a brace, but he said, don't worry. He said, God's healed her. Well, we might tell this, but this is what he said. And he said he also told me that we was going to be great friends. And I didn't even know what great friends was. <laughs> But anyhow, as time went on, we, I guess we was great friends. Amen. <clears throat> and many times, you know, he, when he would come, when he would be overworked. As a lot of you was around Brother Brown, knew how he was like when he come into the meetings, come from the meetings, and he'd come to rest, and he was so nervous. And when he would come, a lot of times, why? Well, we we would never talk about spiritual things. We wouldn't ask him Bible questions because some of you know that that would only pull him right back into the thing that he's trying to get away from. And what we would actually do, we would just wait. We talk about other things. We talk about um, maybe we talk about um, hunting. Maybe we talk about fishing. We talk about the great things that he'd saw in his in the meetings, or he'd done God seen God, God do in the meetings. Um, just anything to try to keep his mind off of what he was trying to get away from. 
And we would just wait, and soon, when he got rested up, then he'd start talking. And then many times he would sit there after we come in from hunting, he'd sit there the night. Lots of times he'd talk two to three hours talking about the Lord. He would take the Bible and he would begin to explain things to us where we could understand. Take pieces of paper and draw little things out and go through it. Because, you know, we didn't understand. But Brother Adam did this night after night and night after night. When he was there, we never took one picture. We never taped one thing. I believe that's the way God wanted it. If we had took pictures, he wouldn't have been comfortable. If we had took tape recordings, he wouldn't have said what he said. It was just the way that God wanted it. We never did have a, you know, a lot, no money really at all, hardly. We both work and still didn't have nothing. Me and my wife. And, and we had about the same thing, you know, every night for supper. It wasn't hard to tell what we was going to eat. One night we'd have uh, squirrel biscuit and gravy, and the next night we'd have gravy biscuit and squirrel. Because we really didn't, you know, we didn't have anything, but, you know, Brother Bram seemed to enjoy it. I, I, I believe that he, I believe he loved, I believe he was telling us that just like it was when he said it was the best meat in the world. He loved it. And, you know, it's really not bad. Maybe you've never eaten it, but uh, it ain't bad. You know, Brother Bram had... Uh, bought us a set of dishes, a mailman dishes. And um, I'm sure back in some of them remember some there was pink. And Brother Bram had brought bought us a set of them, and they was a pretty good size meat platter with them. But you know, sometimes um, uh, Nellie would cook 10, 15 squirrels at a time. And uh, that platter just really wasn't big enough. And uh, he had bought also, he brought Sister Media set just like them. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, she's got a big one. He said, I'll just take this one and we'll trade it for that. So that's what he'd done. And well, we'd have more room for squirrel. But Brother Bam didn't want to run out of squirrel. And I know this don't sound very good, but I, I, I just going that's the truth anyhow. You know, when we come down and hunt a lot of times, and I worked at a, at a factory over there. I worked from 7 in the morning to 3 in the evening, and I really didn't get to go with them uh, too awful much on the morning, but I'd always go the evening. They'd be waiting for me, and we hunted every day. And then he was there. And, you know, we, we'd kill them squirrels. You was allowed six in Kentucky, and we'd kill them squirrels, and, you know, we shoot them with 22 holocorns. And, you know, if you hit them in the head, there wasn't much left sometimes. But anyhow, we would, uh, Brother Brown had a pin that, uh, in a big old saddle pin or something, and he would stick it through their foot, and that, he'd hang it on his belt, on his side. 
And I didn't have no pen, and I'd, most of the time I'd take a stick and I'd pull the little toe back on it and run that little short stick in under them leaders, and I'd hang it on my belt. That's the way I carried them. And um, you know that all that blood in a walking, it had drained every drop of it out, you know. I might not know to say this. But you know, sometimes we'd wear them same pants for days. I'd come in the night and I'd put my squirrel pants on and I'd go again. And they get so stiff, you know. Brother Bram used to tease me a lot, and Brother Bram wore them too. But he used to tease me when I said, Brother Charlie, said, when you go to bed tonight, said, just stand them pants up in the corner. Well, they would just about do that, you know. They would. <laughs> you forgive me if that didn't sound right. But it is the truth. <laughs> and you know, I I was the deacon down the tabernacle, Brother Brown. Uh, I'll tell that before going to Father. He, after we got saved, we was going down there to church. And and uh, it was about the time. I don't really remember the exact time, but... It was, and I know Brother Hickerson probably knows how he took me back there. They wanted me to be deacon. And uh, he went back there and told, talking to Brother Branham, and Brother Branham said he wanted me to be deacon there in the tabernacle. And I said, Brother Branham, I, I can't be no deacon. I said, I live a hundred miles away, and I can't be here. And, you know, we not need to be there. And I said, I, I just can't do it, right? He said, well, why don't you take it? He said, it'll give you a chance to do something for the Lord. And I said, no, Brother Bram, I don't think I ought to take it. And about that time, they were singing, Only Believe. And Brother Bram pointed his finger at me and said, You take it. So I took it. What would you have done? <laughs> Any I served there, I don't really remember exact years, 15 years, 18 years or something, as deacon, assistant pastor for a few years before we started the church down in Camelsville. Um... You know, almost every time that Brother Bram would leave and go out on the meetings and he would leave the house, he would um, <laughs> always say, Brother Charlie, said, you, you, have you got any questions? I'd say, no, sir. And you, while he was gone, I'd think, well, now when he gets back, yeah. I'm going to ask him about this, yeah. and I'm going to ask him about this and this. And I don't know how it all worked around all the time, but when he come back, before I ever got a chance to ask him, every question had done been answered. And then he'd leave and he'd say, you got any questions? Well, of course I didn't have no questions. <laughs> I've always said that you could have a private interview with him in a church full of people. I believe that with all my heart. Now, you know, it's kind of hard to explain to you that's not been there what it's like to stand in front of a man knowing that he's looking all the way down through your life. But that's exactly the way it was. 
I remember he came down right after Nellie got saved. And she had on a pair of blue jeans. And she was uh, waxing the floor. Now, she didn't know a lot about the message. <laughs> and she said, when Brother Adam came in, she said, Brother Adam, she said, uh, if I'm going to wear these, you might as well see me as anybody. He said, that's all right, Sister Nellie. He said, uh, I've been thinking, I said, I, I've been wanting to take Sister Media hunting with me, and uh, maybe if I bought her a pair, she would go. Yeah. But, Perry, you know how you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and Banks, he was with him, and he looked over at her and winked at her. He said, I'm going to go preach, son. He said, um, y'all come up. So we went up, and uh, he preached um, after service. She knew better. She never did wear her pants no more, but she kept them. And I been to work and I come in one evening and I never seen such a fire. I said, well, honey, what in the world are you doing? She said, I'm burning my pants. She said, I had a dream last night that I put them things back on. She said, <laughs> so she got rid of her pants. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> Later, we was over to Brother Banks is one uh, Sunday afternoon, I believe it was. It was between church, if I remember right. And we were sitting there in, his yard, in Banks's yard, and of course you know Brother Ramdus lived next door. And uh, she um, had on a, a pair of high heel shoes. <laughs> of course they don't wear them today, but they did back then. And. Uh, Anyhow, she she broke a, a bowl had been broke on it, and um, she was trying to fix it. And uh, Brother Brown said, uh, Sister Nellie said, let me have it. I'll fix it. So he took her shoe, and he kind of turned around there, and he was working on that bowl. And uh, she heard him real low, and he talked to Banks, and he said, I'm going to hit these things one of these days. And wasn't but a little while that he hit him, <laughs> and now she knows better. She don't wear them no more. You know it's hard. I said not to preach in it, but she knows better. Now, if you get tired, we'll quit. But I, I got a few more things I'd like to say. My mother, <clears throat> she had. Uh, cancer on her face. It was up into her nose and in the corner of her eye, and it was, oh, I guess it was big as a half a dollar or bigger, and she'd had doctors around there fooling with it, and they couldn't do nothing. She went to send her to Louisville. 
the doctors there looked at it and said, there ain't nothing we can do, and they just sent her home. And uh, so we, she went over to my sister's, and, and we called Brother Branham. And I remember he went into the room and had prayer for her. And when he come out, of course, everybody wanted to know what the Lord said. And Brother Branham said, he didn't show me nothing. But said, I believe she's going to be all right. And the next morning, Mother got up and ate her breakfast. Never had no skin graft or anything. She lived 30 years after that. Died at the age of 94. And when she died, if you could, the only way you could ever tell it, if you pulled her glasses off, there was a little place, maybe a quarter of an inch, that it, you could see a scar. My, my son, when he was young, he had, uh, well, we didn't really know what it was, but it was epilepsy. And you know how kids are. We was kids ourselves, and we never thought nothing about it. And, you know, we don't. you just don't worry like you do when you get older. But anyhow, it was real, real got to where it was pretty often and you know how them things are and one evening we was fixing to go squirrel hunting up to a place above where my mother lived there and uh, we was in the house before we left and my wife and children was there and uh, I didn't ask him uh, Larry was okay at that time but all of a sudden, he said, uh, let's pray for Larry. And I remember Brother Ram just knelt down with an old cheer there, and he said just a few words and asked him the Lord to, to take it, care of it into healing. And when he got up, he said, Brother Charlie, he said, um, I don't think you'll ever have another one. But said, if he does, he said, you take his underneath shirt off and it in the fire and say, I do this in the name of Jesus Christ and said, he won't never have another. Larry is 39 years old. He never had another. got saved before we started tabernacle you know we was going up there to the church of God Anderson and uh, Brother Bam always told us that you go to church don't you miss church that still goes today he said of course it was Trinity but he said you go to church and he was there one Sunday he said uh, he would not have it no other way. He almost forced us. He said, you go to church. And he said, if I had my suit, I'd go with you. But said, you go anyhow. I wish a lot of people could understand that. 
Well, we went to church. We left Brother Brandon home. You say I wouldn't. If you believe him, you would. You go to church, you go to church. We had a little dog. I'll talk about dogs for a minute. And we'll talk about something else maybe, but we had a little old dog. We had this little dog that run rabbits. And he, all they was about probably eight inches, ten, eight or ten inches high. And uh, Brother Bram thought so much of them. And it was good dogs. But, but he thought so much of them. And this was one of the young dogs that just started running. And my wife, if, uh, we had a... Uh, she had run over him, backed over him in the garage with a 57 Mosmobile. I believe, Brother Hick, you painted that car. I- I'm sure he did. And you know how big that thing was, and it was just a little old bitty dog, and she run right over the middle of it on a hard road. Well, of course, the little feller, you know, he was just blood running out of his ears and nose, and he was just barely breathing. And uh, my wife knew how much I think of a dog. If it's a good dog, <laughs> nobody gets him. And instead of going to the vet, she said, it's about time that Brother Branham and them be in from hunting. And she took that dog and put it in the car and run it up to my mother's house. And when she got there, Brother Branham was there. And she laid the little dog out there on the ground. It was just barely breathing. And my sister, Ruby, she fooled with animals a lot. And she said, well, Brother Branham, she said, that dog's dying. And said, why don't you just go ahead and kill it? Because it ain't no way it could live. She said, it's mashed all to pieces. And Brother Branham said, well, Sister Woods, let's don't do it just yet. So they went in the house. I don't know. The driveway's probably 30, 40 feet from the house. And there's a porch there. It's about, oh... Uh, it's got one step. I'm probably 18 inches off of the ground. And uh, so they went on in the house, and a few minutes, Brother Ram came in, and when he did, that little dog followed him and jumped up on the porch. <clears throat> it went on for a week or two, and he was back down there, and we were sitting out there on the front porch talking one evening, and I said, Brother Ram, you, you remember that little dog that you prayed for the Lord healed up there here the evening? He said, here the day, and he said, yes, sir. I said, you know that dog, it's been gone for uh, uh, about a week now, maybe a little over. And Brother Brown, I never will forget it. He turned and looked at me and said, well, Brother Charlie, he said, I guess it just drove off and died. Don't you think he wouldn't try you? I said, Brother Bam, that dog didn't die. I said, he'd been running down here all last week. Ain't nothing about that dog. But anyhow, I found him. God stole him. I just let him have him, but I, 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 well, I wouldn't no more not. But I did. I just went on and let it go. Another time that he was down there in had another one of them, in fact. It was one of the mates of it. And I, at that time, I, I didn't have an old pen, and I had it tied with a chain. And the little fellow somehow had got that chain unhooked, and he had took chain and all and was gone. And I looked all over the country for the dog, and I, I didn't know what happened to him. 
And I still don't. But anyhow, when Brother Bam came down there, and it was a week or so later, and I told Brother Bam, I said, that, that little dog, I called her name, and I said, you know, she's been gone. I, I don't know what happened to her, but she's got chained and everything. And, you know, uh, that's not good. But anyhow, after a while, we sat around talking. And Brother Brown, he got up and walked off down. I, I live pretty close to the woods, and he walked across the roads and out down in the woods. And he come back up there, and uh, wasn't just a few minutes. Here come that dog dragging a chick. You say, well, I don't have nothing to do with it. Well, <laughs> you be what you want to. Another time he was there and hunting. And Banks was, um, of course, Brother Bam had a lot of trouble with his guns because he never got one shoot good enough. And I guess it was, according to what the Lord told him, you know, he had to be that way. And I had a 512 Remington and uh, what I hunted with. And they was having a little trouble. Oh, I could hit... Uh, you know, I could hit a, you know, a quarter for 50 yards. I could hit that, you know, just about every time. But they was working on it, and I said, they were filing their, their, their forearm out uh, from the forearm down to the screw. But Steve, you know what He said, if it touches the barrel, it'll warp the bullet, and it won't shoot straight and so forth. So they was cutting it out. And I told Banks, I said, uh, why don't you fix mine while I'm at work? And... Uh, Brother Bram just turned around and looked at me and said, you're going to ruin it. Well, they was doing theirs that way. I never said nothing. I, I just went on to work. And Banks, he, uh, he went ahead and while I was gone, and he, he filed it out. What can with it? It'd shoot everywhere. And Brother Bram looked around with them little eyes, and he said, I told you, didn't I? I know you don't understand. But you didn't know sometime where it was Brother Branham talking or where it was God talking. <laughs> now, you believe what you want to. But sometime it was Brother Branham's opinion and sometime it was God using his voice. And I didn't know. I wouldn't have done it for nothing if I thought it was the Lord telling me. But anyhow, he reached over and took it out of my hand. So let me have it. And I turned around went back down to the house. They were shooting up at the back. And Banks was down there. And I went down and sat down talking to him. And after a while, um, he, he called me and said, come up here. So I went up there, and he said, shoot it. And I, I laid down, we shooting down there on, on about post-like sandbag. And I shot it, and man, it never did shoot that good. You could just drive one tack after another. And I said, uh, what'd you do to it? You know, would tell me nothing. Just looked at me. So I, I took it, went on. I still got it. I still hunt with it. Um, I've never had it apart. Don't ever intend taking it apart. 
And I squirrel hunted with it this year. And it shoots just like it did back then when he handed me the gun. I'll just a few more minutes. I got a few more things I'd like to say. Uh, you remember, Brother Brown tells about the squirrels that was created, but maybe something there you maybe didn't notice. Um, when they was created down at the house, uh, I believe he tells that on the tape of the new ministry in '59, I believe. And Brother Tony Zabel was there with him on that trip, and and we'd been up. Hunting. And Brother Tony Zabel was there with him on that trip, and, and we'd been up hunting. And, um, you know, where the Lord, I'll not go through it all because he told it on tape, but you remember where the Lord uh, had asked him, how many do you want? And he said three. And uh, so he'd shot uh, uh, what he had thought uh, was three, but he thought the third one run off, you remember. And said, here come another one. He shot his. He said, well, I guess God just give me four. Well, when he went to pick his squirrels up, there wasn't but three. It was getting late. And uh, he looked and he looked and he looked and he got over and under an old, old uh, hollow tree and he thought maybe it went in there and you remember he took a stick and he stuck it in there and he felt like he's something. He said, I'll come back in the morning and get it. So he was telling that at the, at the supper table that night and Tony was sitting there and when Tony had prayed, I don't remember exact words, but he said, Father, I pray that you let our brother find that other squirrel tomorrow that we might know that he's telling us the truth. Now, that wasn't Tony's able. <laughs> Tony, how Tony believed Brother Radham with all of his heart. I don't know why he said it. I guess he had to say it. And anyhow, me and Banks was talking, why in the world did he pray that way? Well, that tore Brother Radham all to pieces. He said, if I... I don't find that squirrel. said, that brother ain't going to believe me. So the next morning, went back again. And he got up there and he, and he cut out a place big enough he'd get in there and there was no squirrel. And then he was really tore up. And he started to leave and that voice come back to him again. And he said, but if you say you'll find it, you'll find it. And he said, I'll find it. And he happened to look over a little ways under a little something over there, and there was his squirrel. Now, where God created that fourth one, dead or alive? <laughs> I don't know, but he got his squirrel. <laughs> he got it, didn't he? No, Brother Bam always taught us when he come down that, you know, we ought not never hunt out of season. We ought not never take over the limit. And we ought to go to church on Sunday. I remember the first time he was down there, I believe it was the very first time he came and, and six was the, was the limit. Uh, of squirrels, and um, but you know we didn't do things like that before Brother Adam came. We killed all we could carry. 
I hate to say this, but the way we hunted, you killed more than the guy you hunted with, or you never would hear the last of it. I won't tell this to another concern. This is my brother-in-law. He was bad about it, and I remember one morning we went, and he had a twin brother. And they was always getting at one another anyhow. And his twin brother, he took him. He said, now you go that way, and you go that way, and I'm going this way. Well, I did. I went the way he told me. And and uh, I, I, I killed 12. And my brother-in-law was between us and his twin brother. He, he killed 12. And my brother-in-law, he killed one. And you never heard, I could hear him before I ever got to the car. You sent me in there. You know there wasn't no score. But anyhow, we was going home, and he had traded, the one that my brother-in-law, he had traded a box of shells or something for them 12 squirrels. And we got back home to show you how serious it is. When we got back to the house, they said, well, how many did y'all get? He said, well, I got 13, he got one, or got 12. He did got 13. But he traded a box of shells for it. That's how serious it was. But anyhow, we know it wasn't right anyhow. But the first morning that we had went, and uh, I think that morning, uh, that was just when the, I believe first trip I went to Brother Branham, me and my brother, and Brother Banks, and Brother Branham, and maybe some like this, somebody else was with And we hunted, and that morning, uh, my brother, he killed 17, if I remember right. And I think I'd killed 12 or 15. And I, we got back to the car before Brother Brown did, because he walked so far anyhow. And I'd walk kind of up, up the holler a little bit there, and I, I seen Brother Brown coming, and had that little hat sitting on the side of his head, and I walked up there and meet him, and he said, uh, Brother Charles, how many did you get? And I said, Limit. You know, he just looked at me, never said a word. When we got back, you know, it looked like, i tell you, while we had on the score, it looked like he had a tub full of them. We got to unload them. But anyhow, we learned better. I never didn't know why. Brother, I said, you know, said, I've been down here with you boys. He said, I taught you to hunt with a twenty-two rifle, not kill over sand. He said, I ain't been there down there just for the purpose of hunting alone, he said. or three more things. There's so many things you could say. I have jotted down several things here. I'm going to tell this this morning because I told it this morning about the field they had to tell it again this evening. Uh, one time when he was down there, um, I had a problem and it wasn't a very good thing, but, you know, I would, um, sometime I'd, I, I, I would say things to my wife ought not say. Now that's after I become a Christian. And sometimes I I just wouldn't talk to her for a while. And devil's still around. But anyhow, uh, I was talking to Brother Brown that and I said, Brother Brown, I said, I don't want to do that. I said, ain't right, I don't want to do it. And he said, now Brother Charlie, let me tell you something. He said, from your heart, you didn't mean to do it. And he said, God looks on the heart.
And he said, really, what happened? He said, it was back in your grandfather, great-grandfather back there. He said, there was something happened that was real bad. He said, God is visiting that on day. He said, if you remember, you saw it in your father. I said, exactly. And he said, he'd come on down to you. I said, well, Brother Bram, will I ever get rid of it? And he said, how old are you? He never offered to pray for me. But by the grace of God, I believe it's run its course. Maybe it'll help you. I felt led to say it. You know, one time he was there, and like I said, he was so nervous. I ain't gonna tell him. Um, and you know, you've heard people say that uh, people would say, "Why, well, you know, I've heard them talking, and they say, you know, Brother Branham, he, he shot every squirrel in the eye. Well, that's not true. He didn't shoot every squirrel in the eye. He shot a lot of them, but he shot them in the head, and he shot them in the body. One particular time, I will tell this, and we came in, my little kids were like three, four or five years old in there, and we had a whole bunch of squirrels piled up there, and we were fixing to clean them. And my two little boys, they went up there, and they said, they was going through them squirrels, and they said, this isn't a good one, and this ain't no count, and this is a good one, and that ain't no count. And Brother Brown said, what in the world are they talking about? I said, well, you shot them in the head. You weren't the brains. And he got the biggest kick out of that. <laughs> he said, boys, I'll kill you some. But I'll get you some good ones. And he did. Now, that sounds bad to you all, but you know you got to try before you cut them. We still eat them. And we still like them. <laughs> we was hunting... One fall, we had the little dogs up there, and we was hunting. We was hunting uh, rabbits. And me and Banks, my brother, and and uh, Brother Branham, and we hunted with a, we was hunting with a twenty-two automatic rifle. And at that time, you was allowed um, eight rabbits a day. And I know that we went up there and hunted two days, and we killed 64 rabbits. Everybody's a limit. And Brother Van come back and he said, boys, so we ain't going to do this no more. He said, from now on, he said, we're going to hunt the pistol. And from that day to this, we still hunt the pistol. My two boys still hunt the pistol. You kill all the rabbits you want. Especially all you want to carry and I'll just tell this two or three more things. I, I don't know how long we've been, though, does it? Um, I talk about my dad's conversion because I want to get to something because Brother Van tells it on tape, a piece of the door, I believe. But, um, you know, Brother Van, uh, uh, 
Brother Bam King, I believe he was the only man that could have ever won my dad to the Lord. Because dad had seen so much stuff that was not right. People claiming to be Christians. But Brother Bam really liked my father. And remember the story how he met him out there in the, in the barn and told him that, you know, you think about ever changing his life and serving God. And remember he said he wasn't good enough. Brother Bam told me how... Tell him how he could get good enough. He wanted to get good enough and so forth. And he said, well, now you do believe in God as much as you do, Brother Bannon. And uh, he said, well, would you be willing to accept uh, what he done for you? And Dad said, yeah, I'll do that. And Brother Brown took him and baptized him. He's still smoking cigarettes. And it went on for a little while. And uh, one time then... He was down to house, and we was fixing to go to school hunting. And Daddy was going with us. And Brother Branham saw a vision of this evergreen tree. And he said there was some boards that was milled on. And he said the evergreen tree broke in the middle. Of course, I didn't know what it was about until later. But anyhow, on that trip that we went squirrel hunting, Daddy fell and hurt his back real bad. And he would come back, and uh, Brother Brown had, I believe he had prayer for him, and then he uh, finally, Dad went on to the hospital for a few days and come back. And uh, during that time, he, he hadn't smoked because he'd been in the hospital. And, and when he come back, he come back and brother I was there and he said uh, told my wife said you go get my cigarette and she said I ain't getting your cigarette brother Bram said where are they at I'll get them <laughs> brother Bram they put that old pack of cigarettes in his pocket carried them to a warm plum out and never did smoke enough a little more about the board. You just got to watch what you say. You know. But this board, this evergreen tree was my father. And them six boards that was on that tree was them children. And he said that board next to the last was a notable board. And that board was me. All the rest of them's back later today. No, I don't know. I don't know why things happen uh, when they'll be back. I believe somehow God will bring them in. I remember one time we were hunting up there in a place and it was rabbit hunting. My brother was on one hill and I was up here. Brother Ben's on the right. And Brother Bam said, and the Lord said for me to go down there and stand on a big old rock as big as this platform. And he said, and when you get down there, he said, Rodney, which is my brother, he said, he'll come down off this hill and stand there on a rock and give his heart to me. Brother Bam came, walked on the rock. Here come my brother, and there he gave his life to the Lord. Today he's back, please. But if God saved him, You'll be back. Hey, 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 hey. And the Lord said, "Say, 
many times Brother Brandon was there, and like I said, we didn't have any money at all. We Back then, we run a count at the grocery. When even Brother Brandon said we'd run a... You know, when when we first got married, we'd run our grocery bill for a year. And it's a year, we'd sell our crops and pay it off. But you know something? It probably wouldn't be over $300. Then, a lot of times, you know, we would have $30, 40 $50, which was a lot of money back then. And, and Brother Brandon knew all them things. And a lot of time when Nellie cleaned up the dishes, why, he'd stick a $10 bill or something under the plate. And we didn't catch it till for a while. And uh, then I seen what he was doing. I got to watch him. And when dinner's about over, I, I'd watch him. And, it, and he wouldn't put it on that long as you watched him. <laughs> and so Banks told me, he said, don't do that. Because he wants to do it. He said, don't do that. He said, it hurts him. So we stayed him on. We tried to take the money and buy those something with it. But he cared. Yeah. And then one night I choked on a squirrel bone. <laughs> You've been choked on fish bones, but have you ever been choked on a squirrel bone? And anyhow, Brother Bam reached over and broke a little piece of cornbread off. Said, yeah. I took it and they had no bone no more. Because of what that meal represents. I remember one time that uh, Brother Bram had told me about this preacher. He was up north, and um, he was coming to the services at the Tabernacle. And um, he had stopped in Annapolis, and he'd stayed all night with this young girl. It wasn't his wife. And he was telling me about it, and so happened that preacher, we was, had a little meeting down in near Camelsville, and and um, I told this man that was operating the tent um, what Brother Adam said because they was good friends. And I didn't want to see him get mixed up. So he tells this man what I said. And that night in the tent meeting, he come around and said, I have heard that you said that Brother Adam said that I said all night that woman up that night. I said, that's what he said. Of course, he denied it. Well, he kind of told you up. So the next Sunday, that was the next Sunday, we went to church, and uh, I pulled in Banks' driveway, which between Banks and Brother Bram's house, and I pulled in that driveway, and when I started to pull in, I looked, and there Brother Bram was, put his hands on that fence, and he jumped that fence. And the time I almost got stopped, Brother Bram was coming around the side of the car. And I stepped out, and he said, Brother Charlie said, what's wrong? I said, ain't nothing wrong. He said, yes, there is. He said, what's wrong? What's bothering you? I said, Brother Branham, you told me here a while back, a few little bit back, I said, about this preacher staying all night with this young girl up there on the way to the meeting, and I said, uh, I... 
the man denied it. I said, did I misunderstand you? He said, you didn't misunderstand me. That same man had nerve enough to go and be prayed for and to me. Another time he come down, you know, Brother Ben, what he, he, he didn't want women to work, let's say, had to work, you know that. But one time he come down, he, he said, we, of course, was both working, and he said, uh, Brother Charlie, he said, uh, so I got a hold of a little bit of money, and said, he said, I don't need it. And said, uh, you let me go pay your house off. Said, poor sister man, and quit work. I said, no, brother man. I want you to pay my house off. He kept insisting. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, let me just loan it to you then. And you pay it off. Said, if you can, you pay me back. If you don't, it'd be all right. I said, brother man, I want your money. I said, I'll tell you what you do. You pray for me that God will give me health and strength. I said, I'll make a living. Might not have been the greatest, but he fed me. He still came to me. I wasn't his friend for his money. Another time he was there, but a little while, too long before he left. And it was after supper one evening, and, and Nellie was cleaning the dishes. We were sitting there in the refrigerator, and you know, Brother Bram was always, he's wanting to know, Brother Charlie, what can I do for you? What, what can I do for you? I said, Brother Bram, I don't need nothing. And he turned around and he said, uh, What are you and Sister Nellie going to name your little girl? And they said, Oh, brother, man, we don't need no little girl. We did. We had some boys, but we didn't have no little girl. I believe it was about a year and nine months later, she arrived. Certainly been a blessing. Never had one ounce of problem with her. She's married and teaches school. She still comes to church. But we need a little girl. When Brother Brown preached the Holy Ghost series, some of you that was there, Brother Brown, how he made it so clear that you can't make the rapture without it. And it threw a lot of us into desperation. Brother Hickerson back there and some of us. I don't know, Brother Wheeler and different ones. And I remember there at the house, I woke up there in the field, the back of the house, pray, walk, and pray. And you know, sometimes you get such in the presence of God, you couldn't hardly walk. Seem like nothing happened. So Brother Ram came down and 
He said, Brother Charlie, he said, uh, he knew that I was trying to receive the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'll tell you what. He's fixing to leave, and he said, uh, but before he left, before that, he said, now, Brother Charlie, he said, what it is. He said, you're walking and crying and praying, and the, the presence of God's all over you. And he said, what your trouble is? He said, you're looking at way off that yonder for God to do something and to send his Holy Ghost. And he said, he's all over you. He said, that great presence that you feel, he said, that is the Holy Ghost. He said, just open the door. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm fixing to leave. But he said, if you don't receive the Holy Ghost, when I get back, if you ain't got it by then, he said, I'll go with you and we'll stay till you get it. That was good enough. But you know, when he, before he left, he sent me a tape. I think they've changed the name of it now. But then it was the faith in the sixth sense. And I had that tape in the bedroom, uh, playing that tape. And while I listened to that tape, I received the Holy Ghost. And my wife did too. See, he knew what was going to take place. We just overlooked so many things. I know the brother never was the same as the met that constellation of angels down there. And you that knew him, knew wasn't either. You say, well, Brother Charlie, what do you, uh, difference do you see? Well, in 1964, late, we had went hunting, and uh, just me and him went. I don't know where the others went, but we was in the truck and drove up to a home place, and we had to drive way back up the holler and back up to a place he liked to hunt, a place he called Mud Hollow. I knew there was lots of squirrels in there because I'd been killing a lot of squirrels in there, and it was his favorite place to hunt. So I said, Brother Branham, I said, you... Uh, go that way I said I'll go the other way the timber had been cut back the other way but I wanted him to kill some squirrels so he uh, he went up in there and I come in that evening and I think I killed two and Brother Ben didn't have none and he seen I was really disappointed that wasn't like Brother Ben he's not Brother Charlie he's not on taste something he said I could have killed him he said, they come up on the log where I was sitting. I didn't shoot. To me, he had so much more love for everything. That was a big difference I seen in Brother Brown. I was telling him, no, okay. The last time I... Well, really, the two last times that I saw Brother Branham, I was the fall before and as you all know Brother Ram knew there was something yeah. was going to happen he knew his time was short and the year before that he, he, he kept didn't want to leave and he would pray and cry and he just didn't want to go but this last year was here he 
I think he went maybe to the car two or three times and he'd come back. And he, he'd pray and he'd tell us things to do and things not to do. One of the things he said, Brother Charlie said, anything ever happens to me, he said, you stick with Armand Neville. And said, if anything happens to Armand Neville, you stick with this message. He never did tell me to follow nobody else. By the grace of God, that's what I've tried to do. Say what he said. And say all he said. If it hurts or whatever. So then I went out to the car and got ready to leave and I walked around the car on the other side where he was at. He, he had a little ball cap on, he squirreled on his head. And I walked over to the window and he took it off and put it on my head. I said, Brother Bram, I, I don't want your cap. And he said, yes. I said, you go on and take it, Brother Charlie. He said, I ain't going to be needing it no more. Yeah. I still got it. But I'll meet him again. <laughs> In this land. I'll meet him on this side. I go up and walk in the wood, Stephen, sometime up there where he hunted. I believe it's so close. I look for him some of these days come walk down that path. Then I'm going to go. Thanks is over. That change is fixing to take place. Now, you may not be a hunter, but one of these days you may get up out of the bed and you might not stumble like you used to. You might walk into a mirror and there's a full head of hair. You might look down at your hand and there ain't no wrinkles no more. That's what you say is going to happen. We made him. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. You really ain't gone nowhere, no man. God bless you. You enjoy that? Praise the Lord. Mine brings back some memories. And I'm looking forward to that time. Amen. No wrinkles, no gray hair. Getting ready to leave here. Amen. All hail King Jesus. Amen. That's the one responsible for all the good things of God today.
bought at Calvary, paid for. That's the reason you and I can live tonight. All hail King Jesus, all hail Emmanuel, He's King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star, and throughout eternity. I'm going to praise Him And forevermore I will reign with Him Amen All hail King Jesus All hail Emmanuel King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star, and throughout eternity I'm going to praise Him, and forevermore I will reign with Praise His name. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Bright morning star. And throughout eternity I'm going to praise Him And forevermore I will reign with 